can remember a specific time, and it was the day that I was saved, very specifically. And I remember so clearly the Spirit of God, and some of this might seem a little foreign to you, but it's where we're going today. We're going to talk about being a disciple of Christ. The Spirit of God spoke the Word of God into my heart. Now, a pastor actually spoke the audible words. But as I heard his word, it spoke to my heart. And here's the deal. Only by God's grace and his love, only by God's grace and his love, did I understand that I needed to repent of my sin and ask Jesus, put my trust in Jesus as my Savior. But I'm telling you, it's something I've never spoke to this congregation. I'm telling you at that moment, you've heard my testimony, most of you, that that the word is for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And in my heart, I knew that to be true. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I knew in my heart that to be true. Not because of me, but because of God speaking to my heart. And then, Romans 10, 9, if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead then I would be saved. And I did with my heart. I confessed and I believed that morning. Here's the part I've never spoke. For no reason. Maybe it's just the time is now. But I knew. I knew I'd have to surrender. That was the part that was the hardest. I knew just in my heart, God put within my heart, that there was a moment that I'd have to surrender all. That I'd have to put my whole trust in him. Not some, not a little, but at all. And it's again only by the grace of God and the revelation that the Spirit of God put in my heart, knowing that it was true, that Jesus died for my sins. That I did. But not on my own power, but by his grace, I surrendered all. It's the only way that you can become a disciple of Christ. A disciple of Christ is that person that, that understands by the word of God and the spirit of God that there's a need to be saved. There's a need to receive what Christ has done for us in paying the penalty for our sin. It's called the gospel. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it seems so strange to some. It seems strange to me that day. Very strange, but I knew in my heart it was true. And for that, I don't know what it is. In, in, in eternity, I think it's even less than a second. But for just a moment of time, it's like I had to step across. I had to be where I was at with the pastor sharing this scripture with me, with the Spirit of God revealing to me his word that it was true. And I had to put my trust in Christ in order to receive the salvation that him and only him can can give. And I just go, and there was that, just that that second, I just went, "Mm, I surrender. And when I did, and only when I did, that all of a sudden I realized that everything, the Spirit of God and the Word of God was speaking to me was true. I mean, not only did I know prior to that nanosecond, whatever that is, that time, that moment, I knew it to be true here and in my, my, my soul. 
But the minute I put my trust in Christ, my spirit became alive. For the very spirit of Christ dwelt within me. I can't explain it. I can't, I'm, I, by the word I can. I, I mean, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about it. And, 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 but the bottom line is, there was that point in time where I surrendered all. Now, what's the whole point of this, of what I'm talking about? Well, we're talking this morning about becoming a disciple. And what does that mean? What does it mean to become a disciple? Well, I became a disciple that day that I was saved. I really did. But it doesn't end there. We're to be discipled and continue to grow in our, in our walk with our Savior in relationship. And this is what we're going to talk about today. And actually, this can be, well, quite frankly, I think every time we talk about the Word of God, it's deep. <laughs> I just do. You know what I mean? Sometimes, like you hear, hear, who knows, who's ever heard from the Word of God? We'll get started here in a minute. Who's ever heard from the Word of God, thou shall not steal? Raise your hand. If you ever heard, thou shall not steal. Okay, so if I walked up to you right now and I said, hey, the Bible says thou shall not steal. You would, most of us, the vast majority, if not everyone would go, yeah, we shouldn't steal. Right? You with me? Right? Right? Okay. It's like, no-brainer, right? That's simple, right? All right, now, if you're in this room and you ever stolen anything, raise your hand. Come on! <laughs> I mean, right? So, so we can know the truth, but knowing there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because it's not about that. We already stand condemned in our sin-fallen world, in our sin, sinful life, our bodies. But when you become a disciple... You become someone who is saved, who has put their trust in Christ, and someone who desires to follow after him. That's, that, that's what we're going to talk about today. So here we go. You ready? John thirteen thirty four says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We're going to talk only about two things this morning. There's, there's quite a few, but we're going to talk about love and we're going to talk about being an example. That's it, just two things and being a disciple. But look at, look at this. I mean, there's so much right here. A new commandment I give to you, and, and I'm not going to dig deep. A lot of times when, when I'm using Scripture and we're in this context, like we're talking about the disciple, I mean, we could stay on this Scripture right here all morning. And I wouldn't have to say another Scripture, you know, and we could unpack it and go deep. And, and eventually we will as we're being equipped as a church, and we'll go deeper and deeper in, 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 in the words and what God wants us to know. But right here, I just want to look at, there's a new commandment. You know what the new commandment is and where it comes from? Jesus. We're no longer under the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Jesus came that the law would be fulfilled because man would, could never fulfill the law. It's just like I said, thou shalt not steal. That's the law, right? Who, who's ever stolen something? I pretty much hit everyone in this room. And if it doesn't hit you and you've never stolen something, I think the Bible says something about thou should not lie somewhere. There's somewhere. That might be commandment 11 or tell the truth. I'm not sure how that works. But 
So Christ came to fulfill the law. And he says, so he says, I want you to hear this. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. And if we know the love of Christ, then we have an understanding of what that love might be like. But we're not perfected. When I was saved that day, I really understood more of what the love of Christ was like. But God's love was right. Because I'm telling you, the Spirit of God at that moment came to dwell within me. I know for some that are listening this morning, some by internet, that might not make total sense to you. But that's okay. Because the same God that revealed his word to me will reveal his word to you. He will. By faith I know that. By his word I believe it. And so now he says, love me as I have loved you. I want Trish to love me as much as I love her. And sometimes I don't know how much, maybe that might not be true in this case all the time. Because sometimes she might not feel like loving me as much. I might not feel like loving her as much. (laughs) We might have, we might all of a sudden, Miss Trish might have uh, something where I do something, she doesn't like it. I'm not saying she stops loving me or she loves me less than that way. I just mean, you know, there's days when we don't love someone as much because of something they do or something they say or or whatever the case may be. But God's love never changes. It's always 100%. And as much as Jesus loves us, he wants us to take that and his love in us. This is the point. His love in us because we will always fall short. Jesus wants us to take his love in us and share that love with others. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not as easy as it might sound to some. Because if we're not abiding in his love, if we're not growing in his love, right? Get what I'm saying? Then it's hard to do. But verse 35 says this, by this, by this, by what? By his love and our love for one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. What's this word? Right there. If. So does everyone have that love? Oh, we might, yeah, I know I do. But does everyone? No. Because there's, because there's, well, it would be kind of (laughs) awesome if everyone did. But there's people that don't. Because there's people that are seeking, and, 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 and they, I, I'm telling you, I believe every person's a seeker. I, I mean, I know we're, we, we always talk about there might be a, what do you call a person that doesn't believe in God? An atheist? It's not even in my vocabulary. That's why I had to ask you. There's no such thing as atheists. We're all created in the image of God. We all have a God desire, a void within our heart that wants to reconcile back to him. I'm telling you. It doesn't matter what you say or how you you say it. We all do. And you know, by my love, the Christ love in me for Trish, for my daughter Heather, for you, by how I love you in him, others will see, and they do see. They watch. Come on, do you you ever remember a time, maybe before you were saved, or or even now, do do you ever look at someone and just go, man, there's just something there. There's just something there. And then we're going to talk about being an example this morning. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Philippians 4, 9. 
We're to be disciples of Christ. We're to be ones that seek after what, what God desires for our life. And Jesus came to be the perfect model, an example of that. Not only to be our Savior, but to be the example and the model. To show us that the Father is real and to point us to the way. And Philippians is telling us the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. Pretty much covers it. Everything. My life. My life in Christ. The life that we see that, that Jesus lived. These things were to share. Were, were to be so others can see. And then, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, um, if you're angry with someone... Do people normally get angry back? Or do they normally go, man, I'm so glad you're angry. It's just awesome to see you this way. It's interesting how God has made us and created us because we usually will follow suit in wherever we're at. Like a certain, someone might be acting a certain way or doing a certain thing. And let me give you an example. Some of you are kind of looking at me like, huh? Well, let me give it to, we all know. I don't know if we all remember these days, but we all know is, listen. So you have a child that's acting up. That's doing something you don't want the child to do. And so if you get angry at the child, what does the child do? jump up and embrace you and go, oh, thank you for getting angry at me. No, the child will normally get angry back. Let's all go to Walmart. Let's all leave. Let's right now, we'll get up, we'll go to Walmart. And I'm telling you, half of you, I want to smile. The other half, I just want you to go. And then we'll meet back in the foyer at Walmart or the, the greeting area. And I'll say, okay, were people here friendly and smiling or not? Some will say no. Some will say yes. Because the ones will say yes that were smiling. Because you ever do that? When you smile, all of a sudden, what do you get back? Normally, a smile back. Normally. Sometimes people, you know, they might think, well, uh, why are you smiling at me? You know, But still, not mostly. Mostly, you'll get a smile back. So we start off here. Let's all turn to Luke 14, 25. Let's turn there together. No. Yeah. Yeah, Luke 14, verse 25. And here we go. While you're turning, that's okay. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace, so that likewise, whoever of you 
does not forsake all. That he cannot be my disciple. Now this is deep. But the bottom line is, leading up to this point, Jesus is teaching, he's showing, he's being an example. Miracles are happening. People that that are sick are being healed. People that that have died are being brought back to life. I mean, like, 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 like this is just not a, a, a novel that we're reading of a, a nice story. I mean, these are actually events that are taking place. And the Son of God is on this earth, and we have a record of that through his word. And all of a sudden, these large crowds start following Jesus. I mean, I'm not, I probably would too. You know what I mean? Come on. You know, like if someone's coming around, they're doing miracles, and there's things happening, and, and there's, there's talk going on. Man, you've got to check this out. This is like awesome. This guy's healing people, and they're coming from, I mean, come on, right? It's like if somebody watches a really, really good movie, and they start telling you about it, you pro- chances are you'll probably go watch it too. And the next thing you know, these crowds are all gathering around, and they're starting to, you know, they're starting to just follow Jesus, just wherever he goes, just to see what's going to happen. And I mean, I don't know all their motives. Maybe they want, needed healing too, or maybe they just want to see what's going on. Maybe they thought they would get something out of it. It's all the above probably. But, but then Jesus, here, the scripture is interesting. This is a New King James translation here. Uh, I'm going back to 25 for a minute. He says, now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, Now, I know that might seem like a simple little sentence there. But they're following him as he goes. To this point, there's not a lot of interaction with the multitude, with the many. And Jesus comes to a place where the Bible says as he's going, literally he stops doing what he's doing, administering, being an example going to the place where he knows he's going to Calvary, where he's going to be crucified and pay the penalty for our sins. And he stops. And he turns. And he speaks to the multitude. And what he says, it's home. To be a disciple of Christ, it takes a conscious commitment. It really does. It, it, take, it takes an understanding of who you are in Christ. It takes an understanding of who Jesus is. It takes, it takes an understanding of, of what God and who God wants us to be. We look for purpose, right, in life. I hear that all the time. What's my purpose in life? Well, my purpose is only going to be found in Christ and what he has for me. What is that purpose? And, and if we're not careful, we, we, we kind of fade into the multitudes and and, you know, we start looking to God for, for things, things that we desire. What can we get out of, of, of knowing God or coming, coming to church? Um, whatever the case may be. What can, can, what can we get out of it? But G, the Bible says Jesus stops and he turns and he addresses the people. Now, you know why Jesus stopped and he turns and he addresses the multitudes? Because he doesn't want one person to misunderstand who he is. He doesn't want one person to misunderstand that, you know what, being a, a Christ follower or in context with the Scripture, he doesn't want one person to misunderstand, I want you to know something. You're following me right now, 
You're following me for whatever reasons, but I want you to know if you really want to follow me and you really want to know me and you really want to know the Father, then you know what? There's, I, I have some expectations. And we might think, what do you mean, God? No, God's love is free and it's unconditional. And it's, well, it is free and it's, it is a free gift of God. But, but it's not without expectation. Let's look at it. Luke 14, 26 says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. So kind of entitled it faith over family. Jesus expects, God expects us to put faith over family. Now, that's hard, right? It's, for most people, it's got to be. But you've got to understand, if we embrace Christ and the love of God and our love for him is strong, guess what? That love's going to be expressed to our family. Jesus is saying, put me over your family. Put me in place of your family. Put me above your family. Look to me first. Receive my love first. Because if you you don't, you never really will be able to love or embrace your family. I know that word hate is strong. But the bottom line is, I mean, it's got to be strong because if he does not express what's reality, put me first above all else. Then we never will really get it. Then he goes on to say this, yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple, Luke 14, 26. So entitled this, sacrifice over self-centeredness. Not only does he say to put, put him before our family, but we're to put him before us. That's not so easy to do. It's not easy to put Jesus before us. We're to, we're to put sacrifice over self-centeredness. And in Luke 14, 26, when it says, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Okay, so, whoa, wait a minute. If I don't put Jesus first, is he saying that I can't be his disciple? He's saying I am not his disciple. Let that sink in just a second. You might go, wait a minute. No, 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 no. No, wait, I... I put my trust in Christ as my Savior. The Bible says to repent of my sin. I received God's word. The Spirit of God told, revealed to me that truth that I needed to repent and believe, and I did. And I believe. I, I put my trust in Christ. So is, is now Jesus turning and saying, well, that if I don't put everyone else first before him, then I'm not his disciple? That I never was saved? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, if the Spirit of God and the Word of God dwells in my heart, and at that day when I was saved is reality, then my life's going to be about His business, about His love. I'm going to want to put Him first. Now, does that happen every moment of every second of every day? No, I, I know. It doesn't. But He's saying if that's not what's on our heart, then guess what? Then we really got to consider, are we really a disciple of Christ? He turned to the crowd and he says, put me first. I want you to know that. If you can't put me first, this is, this is what he's saying. I'm going to paraphrase this. If you can't put me first, you, you might as well just go home right now. Isn't that hard? Come on. Isn't, I mean, that would be tough. 
Can you imagine that happening to you? I mean, just in everyday life, let alone the Son of God turning to you and going, man, Tony, if you can't put me first, why don't you just go home? Luke 14, 27 consider, or continues and says, and whoever does not carry their cross, and I entitled this pain over pleasure. And really, there's a, there's a lot of things we could talk about, This just this one little sentence right here. And, and the bottom line is, though, is this. You know, when I became a believer, when I was saved, uh, my life didn't just go, woohoo! And like the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the angels all followed me. And everywhere I went, you know, cars would separate and no one would cut me off. And people were so happy to see me. It was just awesome. No! I'm still in this world. I'm still... I'm still amongst this, this, this sin-fallen people, and I'm sin-fallen. But, I'm, I'm, but, but listen, there's a difference. Because as a disciple of Christ, and as I strive to put him before everything, before Trish, before my family, before my friends, before the church, Christ is first, Christ is first. And he says, listen, and whoever does not carry their cross, he's just saying, he's saying this, don't give up, persevere. Because it doesn't mean because you know me and you're saved that just everything's going to be perfect. Because quite frankly, the more, you guys, listen, the more sometimes I try to draw near to God, the more stuff stirs up. Not only in the physical realm with people, but in the spiritual realm. I remember when we were first saved, our very best friends, very best friends, and I didn't know. I never went to church, remember? I didn't know, like, how to act a certain way. And I had no clue I was acting so differently. But we went to play cards with them like we did every Friday night for years. And we're sitting down there. And all of a sudden, I don't know, I think it was the, last, the lack of cussing a little bit and my demeanor, my countenance. But I'm telling you, what was it? Like 20 minutes. And, and my best friend at the time looked at me and said, what's up with you? Right. <laughs> And Trish is looking at me. Trish was not a believer at the time. And you know what? After an hour, he, he, he said, you got to go. I'm serious. And I said, what are you talking about? I mean, I just, I just went. He said, you got to go. He said, Something, something's up with you. And I don't know what it is. I said, well, man, we'll talk later. You know, and he wouldn't let me tell him what, what, what I knew then, what it was, my salvation, my conversion. And we really never... We tried to get together a couple times after that. Now, why do I say that story? To encourage you, everyone, to be saved and you'll lose all your friends? No. But I am saying, as we draw near to God and his love is in us, and we understand that he wants us to share that love with others, and it's, it is not beating him over the head with it. It's just being ourselves in him. It's just drawing near to him. And as I walk, just like that day, my best friend could see Christ in me. We got to carry our cross. I mean, there's going to be times when we're, it, things won't make sense as we're trying to do what God wants and we're following Him. They won't make sense. I'm telling you, believe me. <laughs> and I know some of you know exactly what I'm saying. They don't make sense. You, you get on your knees. Sometimes, sometimes you cry yourself to sleep. They don't make sense. But in the morning comes joy because every single time, every time for me, I, I don't, I'm just telling you, I, 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 I just, I can't think of a time not. 
Whenever I've had the greatest struggles trying to grow spiritually and trying to grow closer to God and put him first, and then trials have come and things have come, and, and uh, like a loss of a friend, or, 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 or you try to stand for what's right and what's God, and the next thing you know, you get a little ridicule, or people don't want to be around that. Why? Well, because within in them, they're not there. Within them, they're seeing a glimpse of what is right and what is good, and they know they want to draw near to it, but their sin nature says, I can't right now, I can't do it, I can't, I can't do it. And you just go, God, come on, help me out here. And he says, but I am. Because every time I've looked back, every time, it might have been a day, it might have been a year. I'm serious. Even though, and I'm so thankful even for those times, I'm serious. Even though they seemed rough at the moment, I look back and I'm so thankful. Because I would always draw nearer to him, quite frankly, too, when things didn't make sense. Always draw near to God and what he wants. So, we go on with uh, verse 27. He says, and follow me cannot be my disciples. So, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. Relationship over religion. This, this, being a disciple is about learning, growing, reading, studying, obeying, trusting, and seeking Now, look, don't misunderstand. It's not about the law. It's not about being legalistic. It's not about, well, if you're not doing these things, well, then you're not a disciple. And you must not love God if you're not doing all this stuff and you're diligent about that. No, what this is, is this is because of your relationship with God and because of your love for him that he's put within you, this begins to become naturally. Does does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Um... Um, a, a, rela- a husband, a wife, um, a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, um, uh, someone you're going to marry. Uh, maybe you have a fiance. Um, and I don't, I don't want to put this in the same vein, but it does communicate. I mean, even in God's creation through pets and stuff, we have a certain kind of love. It's a different love, but you understand what I mean. And we just, because of God's creation, we have this, this love that just that reaches out and desires to be loved back. If we're putting God first, these things become spiritually natural. I I want to learn more about Christ. I want to grow in him. I want to read his word. I want to study. I want to obey. I do trust him. I do seek him. And if we're a disciple of Christ and we're, we're, we're following in that relationship with God, what Jesus did is he turned and he said, you know, you just got to understand if you're going to follow me, it's, it, it, it's not what you think. Everything's just not free. Everything's just not given. It's going to be hard work. It's going to be a commitment. But in turn, in return, you do get something. You get God's love. <laughs> okay. I'm going to step over here and be really transparent for a minute. There's times when I'm preaching or preparing to preach the word that I go, well, God, I, I'm going I'm to share your word. That's first and foremost, always. And I'm going to share what you want me to share. 
But God, can't I just say, like, there's a little bit of goodness right here? I mean, can I put out a little carrot or something like that? Because God, you know, can't I just, um, I got to tell the people that it's going to be tough to follow you. And there's going to be times of trials and tribulations. But God, aren't I supposed to tell the people that, you know, um, but you know what? Following God's good and you're going to be great and there's going to be no worries. And man, things, I mean, awesome. And there's just times I feel like I need to speak something like, what do I get out of it? We get God. The minute we try to throw in something else, someone else, We don't lose God. We don't lose our salvation. But we fade. Being religion, religious is doing stuff on the outside. You know, we we do stuff because we think we're supposed to. That can be read the Bible. That can be go to church. I don't know. That can even be being kind. Well, you know, I'm supposed to be kind. We find ourselves being religious. And then... Religious or being re- religion is being self-driven. What's in it? What is it? What's in it for me? <laughs> you ever do that? Come on. Anyone here ever put yourself first and do something to, to feed you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Thank you. All three of you. No, no, I, just, <laughs> just, I shouldn't kid like that. Being religious is seeking God our own terms. Luke 14, 28 continues. It says this. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish, found in Luke 14, 28. And I entitled this, Commitment Over Convenience. And, and what Jesus is saying, now remember this now, Jesus is speaking these things. He stopped he turned, the whole crowd's waiting for a miracle, and then he starts saying this stuff. And he goes, hey, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Any of you ever find yourself wanting, now, now I mean this, you're wanting to be a, a disciple that draws near to God. You are, matter of fact, you're growing you're, you're in his word. You find yourself praying. You find yourself interacting with God and your, your relationship with him is growing. And, and then you go, you go like this. I just can tell you, I, I can be very, um, I can do this. I didn't say guilty of this, but it's not being guilty. But I, I find myself doing this all the time. Trish tells me, and I appreciate the accountability. God, you're here. I see you working. And I'll start something. And then all of a sudden, oh, oh God, I see you working right here. And I'll start something. <laughs> and I go, oh, God. And next thing I know, I got like 10 things going on, and I'm not finishing one of them. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I have a real tendency to do that. I'm not as bad, if you will, about doing that, because I've, I've discovered that when I do that, when I start things without counting the cost and without praying it through, and I'm not saying you never do anything. That's, a, that's something you've got to watch out for, too. You can say, well, you know, I just don't know if God's really saying this or not. And next thing you know, you're not doing nothing. I'm not saying that. But I just start doing so many little things. 
And, and it's not that it's bad because it's good. But the next thing I know, the next thing I know, I realize people, Tony, didn't you start this right here? How, how come you didn't finish it? Or didn't you do this right here? We need to be careful here. We need to count the cost. And, and ultimately, what he's talking about is the cost of being saved, the cost of following him. He's saying, sit down and estimate the cost. Hey, people, multitudes, he stopped, he turns, and he says, you know what? So far, you think this is a freebie. I'm, now, of course, this is a way par- paraphrase. But, but, but basically, he's saying, you know, there's a cost here to following me. It, it, does, it doesn't, you know, you just don't follow me and things happen and, and there's nothing, no commitment on your part, no hearts on your part, no relationship on your part. No, God desires, Jesus says, God desires and he sent me for one reason, to reconcile man to God. I'm here to reconcile you to him. And there's a cost. It's not a, it's not a freebie. And the cost was Christ. The cost was his son. It's not, a, it's not a freebie. I mean, ultimately, death was involved. All, all, ultimately, it took a life. The cost was a life to set us free from our sin. Continuing with Luke 14.34. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has an ear to hear, let him hear. This is kind of interesting because we all know salt is a preservative. Salt is something, especially in these days, oh my. You know, he, he, I mean, people really understood this. Because without salt, some, you would starve because you couldn't preserve food. I mean, you couldn't do a lot of things. Matter of fact, they would even use it like, in, like he's, he puts this. It's neither, neither fit for the soil nor the manure pile. What? Who puts salt in the manure pile? I mean, you want the manure pile to... No, no, no. It helps break it down into, into, into um, the process uh, more quickly so they can use it for fertilizer and things like that. So he's relating again. He stops and he turns to the people and he goes, he goes, what good would it be if you were to follow me without loving me? What good would it be if you were to follow me and not understand that there's a cost to pay? That you need to sit down and, and you need to understand. To be my disciple, you need to forsake everything and follow me. He says, you've got to understand. If you think that's you, but then you're not willing to carry your own cost. You're not willing to, to put me first in the trust that no matter what you're going through, I am there and I'll get you through this then it's like you were once salt, but now, now you're not. Don't start something you can't finish. Oh. First Timothy 4.12 says this, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you right there. That snapshot again. Go ahead, grab your phone, snapshot that. Go ahead. If you got a phone, snapshot that. You take it home this week, you meditate on it, you look at it, you read. 
What are you saying? Let no one despise your youth. And that's not like saying, uh, ultimately, like we have youth in the room. It's not ultimately saying, well, he's talking about all, just the youth. You know, let no one despise them. Uh, actually, he's talking to Timothy, and Timothy was a younger person. And he's saying, he's saying to Timothy basically this, which God wants to say to us, is let no one despise the Christ that's in you. But it, as it as it goes with you, you be in the word. Let your conduct be that of love. Let your spirit be close to God in building your relationship. Know that, know that your faith is strong and build your faith. People see this. Stay pure. Don't let your eyes go upon, upon things they shouldn't. Uh, abstain from anything that's evil so that people don't look at you and say, oh, yeah, sure, he says he follows Christ. Be who you can be in him and who he's made you to be. And continue growing in that. You don't achieve that. Like, like tomorrow I don't wake up and go, oh, man, I'm just perfect. And, you know, we don't have to, I don't have to grow anymore. So with this said right here. I want our congregation to know, our people to know. That as we have prayed as leadership. Um, we're, we're going to get together and start talking with our youth and their families that have youth. And we're going to start it actually right after church today. We're going to grab some pizza, some salad, and we're going to sit down and we're going to talk and we're going to go, look, we want to go on a journey. We want to take the young people of our church and we want to journey with them. We want to equip them. We want to be purposeful in engaging them. And we want to walk with them as, as the word of God says to, that they might be equipped to go into service in this, in this body. And I want you guys to be praying about that. I have seen God work with young people in so many awesome ways. When you just take the time to be an example to them. You just take the time to show them. You just take the time to walk with them. So be praying for this. And, and, and this, of course, applies to all of us. But specifically, it applies to a meeting we're having that starts today. Be praying for that. Because God is good. He desires that we be disciples, that we, that we come to a place of knowing him as our Savior, of putting him first in our life above all else, and carrying our cross that says, no matter what happens, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to be diligent because I know your love, and I know you're greater than all these things that can come against me, no matter what they are. And Jesus, yes, I, I will count the cost. You know, I'm not going to just go out and start doing stuff. But I want to pray, and I want to be diligent to hear your voice. And I want to get in on what you're doing around me. What are you doing, God? It's not just in my own little world. The Christ in me, the Word in me, wants to reconcile man to God, and that's what it's about. How can I get in on that? Let me get in on that. Okay, Tony, just put this aside and put that aside and put me above your family and... Let's get going. 
Here we go. Because he turned and said that. Amen? So becoming a disciple. Well, here's step number one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You guys, you, most of you have heard this a lot of times. Romans 3.23. And are justified freely by his grace to the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That if we confess our sins, he will forgive us our sins. We can put our trust in God or we put our trust in God. We first recognize we're a sinner. And God reveals that to our heart. And then we need to believe. You believe Jesus is the Son of God? Most would say yes. I've never actually ever have had someone say no. I mean, not that they can't, but I've never. Out of hundreds of people, I've never had. I'll say, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. I mean, yeah. You believe Jesus died for you? Most will say yes, and I believe in their mind, if you will, they would say yes. They would say yes. I, you understand what I'm saying? Because they've heard about Christ. They heard that he died. And so most would probably say yes. You are trusting him to save you from your sins. There it is. For we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We must admit that Jesus is who he says he is because he's put it into our heart and he's revealed the truth about him to us, himself to us. And then we must believe. Do we believe? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. How do we believe? Because the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, reveals to us the truth of God, that we're sinners in need of a Savior. So we call upon Jesus and receive him into our life. Ask Jesus through prayer to come into your life to be your Savior and your Lord. And when, when this says, ask Jesus through prayer, it really is, here's what it is. Here's what it is. I, I, want, I, don't, want, I don't want us to mistake a, a prayer for salvation, if you will. Meaning, meaning, I could come up to you and say, hey, repeat this prayer and you'll be saved. No. We're living life. We come to Four Quarters Baptist Church this morning. We have a time of worship, a time of fellowship, and we're just, we're just walking together. And then Jesus turns and he says, I died for you. You're a sinner that falls short of my Father's glory. Repent. Turn from living your life your way and put your trust in me. For I have come that you might be saved and reconciled to my Father. And if the Spirit of God and the Word of God right now is speaking that truth to your heart, there's a communication that's taking place. We can call it prayer. That's okay. But is it your time? Is Jesus saying, today's the day of your salvation? The Bible says, today is the day of your salvation. And as we sing that song, I, I, I just, that we're on our knees, that we're praising God. I get on my knees a lot. It's, it's not to show you anything or to try to pretend I'm someone I'm not. We're to be the example. We're to set an example. Am I close enough to God to get on my knees before others? Because of him I am. That's that surrender. That's that, that, that place in your heart where you've got to let it go. He turned and he said, let it go. You're going to follow me. Give me you. Give me you, Tony. Whatever your name is this morning, if he's calling you upon salvation, we're going to have a moment of time right here. 
Maybe today is your day of salvation. Father, I thank you for your love and your grace. And I do. I, I know by faith, I know by your word, I know by your spirit that today is the day of salvation. And I believe for someone or someone's in this room that truly you have put in their heart, there is a cost to being a disciple. There is a cost to following you. But you know what? Your love is so great, it's worth the cost. It's worth it. And today is their day of salvation as they repent, as they express that they're sorry before you, before the sin that's in their life that has kept them from you. And today's the day that they say, I trust you, Jesus. I believe you died for me, and I trust you to be my Savior. I put my trust in you. With your eyes still closed, I'm going to ask the question this morning. Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning? And if that's you, I want you to testify. All eyes are closed. I'm the only one looking by raising your hand. Pastor Tony, I did. I put my trust in Christ this morning. Raise your hand if that's you. Okay. 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 Thank you. Bless you. Father, you are good. I pray knowing that your spirit and your word is so powerful that when you turned and you spoke to those hearts today and you speak to our hearts as believers, as disciples, but especially for those, Lord, I, right now I'm pausing and I'm praying for those that have put their hand in the air and say, today's the day of my salvation. Today I heard the voice of God. He spoke to me. I'm a sinner separated from him, but no longer I put my trust in Christ as my Savior. I pray and I claim in the name of Jesus that you'll continue to stir up their heart so much so that they will want to speak it from the rooftops. Lord, don't let that set dormant. I see so many let that set dormant. May it not be so. May, may the boldness that only you can give allow them to speak it, to write it on their card, to share it with others, to share it with me, to share it with this, this congregation, with this church body. Lord, may it be so that there's a spirit of boldness that only you can give. Lord, let it not be any longer that people come and hear and receive your word and are saved and this just fade. Let it not be. Let us be a church that rises up and walks and disciples one another and disciples those that come to you. Father, may it be. Let it be to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you.